Welcome to the Ben Racky Fitness Show. I got Matt Domney on the podcast. Matt, give him uh, give him your background. Hey, uh, thanks for having me, Ben. Uh, so my name is Matt Domney. I am the head coach at Compound Performance. I am currently a powerlifter in the RPS Federation. Where, if you guys are uh, familiar with powerlifting, RPS is just like the everybody shows up and just has fun, and nothing really matters. Federation, it's just like everybody's a winner. Um, you get some, you get some big lifts, you get some crazy big numbers in the RPS, but, uh, it's, they, they keep the, the standards are pretty good. They're, they're pretty high, but they also just don't care about a lot of the stuff that's not necessarily important. Right. So like in powerlifting, if your singlet is not like up, or if it's not like perfectly to standard your, and you lift and you complete the lift anyway, your lift doesn't count. Whereas in the RPS, like if you forget to pull your, like your pull your single up between like an attempt and going into a second one, they're like, you got the lift. We don't really care that much. So it makes it a little bit more of a fun um, atmosphere and it's a little bit just better to, to compete in. Um, so I'm looking at doing that one in uh, an RPS meet in June and then probably another USPA meet in December. Um, but other than that, I've been, I've been in the fitness industry and I've been in coaching since 2013 where I got my first job at a gym um kind of like everybody else who gets a job at a gym the first thing that you get is you're you you go to a gym and you go hey I want to work here as a coach and the guy goes great here's a shirt and I'm like all right cool what do I do with this shirt and he's like put it on and go make money I'm like how how do I what how do I sell how do I talk to people he's like figure it out and go pick up some clients and make me some money I was like, great. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. So this will, this will be fun. Um, worked. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. It's the best. It's the best thing ever is just being a subcontractor at a place like that, where they make you have specific hours. Don't pay you for those specific hours. Um, and then like fire you if you don't show up for those specific hours. It's like, this is not actually work. This is something else that is quite illegal uh yeah we we it, it yeah line, rhymes with uh waverly yes it's not the best <laughs> it's not the best but uh i did pretty well there i had i think i think by like within a month i had like 15 clients and was doing like 30-ish sessions a week then i transitioned to another uh, another box gym out of there um fortunately i transitioned out of there because that one literally went out of business like overnight and the owner apparently just ran away with like everybody's money was like charging people up until like the very last minute and then like fled the country. Um, so, so that one that's was a bit of a so, shit show. That's, that's hilarious. Like, I mean, that's cause it, it's just, we, we hear the same. I'm sure you've heard that story oh, yeah. 10 times over. I mean, Dude, like one, I, of my, I, one of my friends showed up for work. It was, it was a Tuesday night into Wednesday when this happened and I'd left like two or three weeks beforehand, but like it was a Tuesday night into Wednesday and one of my friends texted me at four in the morning because that was when the gym opened. It was 4 a.m., not even 5 a.m. We were way earlier. Um, and they texted me. They're like, there's nobody here. I was like, what do you mean there's nobody here? They're like, there's no, the door isn't open. Like, I texted the manager. No, nothing's here. I walked in. Half of the equipment is gone. I don't know what is going on here. And then apparently, like, that dude just never came back. He just fled the country and, like, stole, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars from people. And nobody's ever found him since. So Perfect. that was that was fun. 
Um, it's actually funny because I like I was in New Jersey when I when that happened. Then I moved down to Texas, and literally almost a year to the day after I moved down to Texas. So this was, God, that was five years after I after that place shut down. One of the head trainers came to a tour of my gym in Texas. I was like, "What are you doing here?" And he like came up and talked to me, and I was like, "I don't want to talk to you, man. Like you 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 and your company stole like." hundreds of thousands of dollars from people like what are you doing here and like i went up and told the general manager i was like don't let this person apply for a job here or ever come here ever because like i worked with him in new jersey this is his name this is what he used to do with clients like i can tell you every single thing about him like do not let this dude in this building yeah that's shocking yeah, yeah. what uh what made you what made you want to move to texas uh, the company that I was working, I'm going to be completely and totally candid and honest. The company that I was working for at the time offered me a whole lot of money. So Beautiful. I was like, yeah, I, you know, I will take a lot of money to move down to a, to a place with a much lower cost of living where I can have a better quality of life. I can buy a house and not have to like, you know, sell a kidney. Um, and literally, <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't have to deal with winter anymore. So like, this is perfect. So I took that opportunity as soon as I could. Um, I moved down to Texas to help manage and one run one of the clubs down here, which lasted for about a year because management is terrible, especially in like in fitness management, like being middle management in a corporate gym in, in fitness is like the worst possible position to be in because you can't actively control any of the things that are going on. Like I can't sit there and make my trainers get more productive and successful. Like right. I can give them all the tools, but they're the ones that have to actually execute on the plan. hundred percent. I can have 10 hours of meetings with them a day and they won't get any better or worse. But at the same time, I'm also responsible for all of their failures. So like I get none of the credit for their successes and I get right. all of the blame for their failures. And I'm like, I don't like, this is, this is just awful. Like I'm not in control of my own destiny here. Um, so I stepped down from, management to become a coach and a trainer again. Um, then I started working with Kyle at Compound Performance in 2019, which is great because I like being in control of my future and like th the things that I'm doing. And I like being able to look at my day and go, oh, cool. I did everything that I possibly could to move the needle forward today. And I'm great with that. Or look at it and go, I did absolutely nothing today to move the needle forward. And I'm also okay with that too. Right, so I just like having that accountability of the right, fact that like, right. it's, mine, it's mine. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, and what's funny is like, you know, just because I was in the corporate fitness world as well, like those, those like those bosses and managers above the mid-level managers that are managing the trainers mm -hmm. are like <laughs> going outside on a lunch break and like smoking cigarettes and shit. Yeah. Like they know <laughs> nothing about Dude. Dude, fitness or training dude, like or all of those people above my department there was only one regional manager and like fortunately he was my regional manager he was awesome he was a great guy like i have sure. nothing but positive things to say about him sure but he was the only one in the company that lifted all of the <laughs> other ones like i was like where are you finding these people like i've never like this dude looks lost when he walks inside the gym he doesn't know what's going on like he's like a hundred pounds overweight he's sitting there eating like a big mac on the like on, like on the counter in the office and i like, used to do that shit they used to do that shit i'm like this guy is the one who's determining whether or not i'm successful or not and i'm productive or not no like i don't want to have anything to do with this guy anymore they used to do that shit they used to and they would smoke cigarettes outside and the other thing that like i got cued in on like after after i left um was like 
apparently like all the regional managers were like coquettes. So they would, <laughs> they would sit in the back office and like snort coke and shit. Like, during during out during like during open hours so yeah. like what well, yeah like while the gym was open just some crazy just some crazy, some crazy shit yeah i mean it's one, it's one of those things where like you don't like a lot of people look at a gym and go like that's probably super fun to work at and it's like no i mean you're dealing with a lot of people who got like deep serious serious problems yeah bro yeah, like very deep problems that are not going to therapy to get these adjusted they're just going to a gym and being like i'm just gonna do fitness stuff because it's easy yeah it's like 10 rock stars a day yeah <laughs> two lines of coke and two packs of cigarettes baby like that's that's what gets them through their day that's, that's how we so make a billion dollar business bro <laughs> that's that's so funny it's so funny um so like i guess rewinding how did you how did you originally get into training and fitness and i guess let's start there and then i'll cool yeah so training and fitness is like we're training and exercise has always been something that i've been um lucky enough to be privy to in my in my life. Um, my parents started me in martial arts when I was four. Um, I was a super shy kid. I was very like not I was not social at all. Like, I wouldn't do anything without like having a friend or two there. Like I was very, very socially anxious, or very socially awkward and very uncomfortable with people. Um, my mom was like, that's not happening. Like, I'm not raising a little like a little loser who won't go outside, and, like won't have friends, won't do stuff. So she's like, I'm going to put him in martial arts right now, get him to like learn some social skills. He'll probably get the shit kicked out of him a couple times. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear in here. He's like, he'll probably get no, it. No, you probably- can. No, to- totally. And okay. th- that sounds like a New Jersey mother. hundred percent. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from like Northern Kentucky, like close to Cincinnati. But like, okay. just from what I hear, like that's, that sounds like such a New Jersey mother. It's accurate. Motherly thing to say. It's accurate. It's like either you will you will get the shit kicked out of you and you'll get better for it, or you'll kick the shit out of other people and get better for it. So there's a win-win scenario here. We do not want you to be a loser. Exactly. <laughs> so I started with that when I was four. Um, and then my parents actually ended up because they've been they've been active in the martial arts for their entire life. Like my dad is in his 70s and he's been training since the 1960s. So like he's been literally doing this forever, his entire life. He was a he was a champion full contact fighter in, in England. Um, he won some international competitions at the, like during that, like that period of time. Um, and then he was like, you know what, like all these schools that we're going to kind of suck. So I'm just going to open my own. So he opened his own when I was six. Um, and I started working or training there from the time I was six and I worked, trained and worked there from the time I was six until the time I was 24. So I worked there for a long time. Um, and I started like, they, because, you know, when you have a kid, like kids are just apparently free labor for parents. Um, so they started making me like instruct and do stuff and like work with the younger classes and do stuff with that when I was 10. Right. Um, for no pay, because that's how it starts, because you're actually legally not allowed to pay somebody until they're 13 in New Jersey or 14 or right. whatever it is. Right. Um, so like I was just like doing extra stuff and like they'd give me like my extra allowance money or whatever. Um, but it, it started getting me a lot more into uh, like like coaching and instructing and doing stuff like that from like a super young age. So I got a lot of really good instruction on how to do that stuff from literally the time I was 10 years old. Right. Um, and then when I went to college, I transitioned out of doing the martial art that I was doing and into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai. Oh, so nice. with that, I also then started to try to do some like full contact fighting. Um, I did full contact fighting from the time I was 18 till 24 years old. Um, I fought at a whole bunch of competitions in the States, um, did a bunch of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu con- uh, uh, matches and competitions in the States, um, then had my knee, com- my right knee completely, totally destroyed. Like I tore my 
right? ACL, MCL, LCL, medial and lateral meniscus at one in a, go. In a competition? In training. Oh, in training. In training. So it was, it was terrible. And I remember that day. It was great because I like, it was, I, I would usually go, this is when I was, I was traveling into to Manhattan to train. Um, so I, I went for, I would go on a, like, it was a Thursday. So like on, on my Thursday schedule, I would usually get it, get up at five, lift, go home, eat breakfast, get to the train, drive to, or take the train into New York, which is about like a two hour train, get to there at 11, do an 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock and a one o'clock class. So I do three classes in a row, take the train back and then work at, uh, the, the, the martial arts school from five to 10. Um, so that day in the first class at 1130, I tore my, I tore all those things in my knee. Everything was gone. I did the second two classes because my knee just felt funny and I was just warm, like super warm. So like, I didn't even notice that there was any kind of like instability or issues with it. Cause I was like, it was like during the summer, I was very warm. We were working and moving the entire time. So like, you don't notice any, anything like that until it happens. Um, then I remember I started walking home and I was like, oh, my knee is not good. Took the train home. was like, oh, this is terrible. I can barely walk. Walked back from the train station to the business and then taught from five to 10 and then texted my dad and was like, Hey, like you got to come pick me up. I can't bend my knee at all. And he was pissed. He was, it was like 10 o'clock at night. He was like, I was getting ready. For, I was getting ready to go to bed. Like the hell is wrong with you. Like you can just drive yourself home. I was like, no, I literally can't move my right leg at all. I don't know what happened. So he came and picked me up. Um, saw my knee was like, this was like this big. It was like twice oh, like swollen. Shit. It was huge. It was all bruised up and beat up. Um, so we took me to the, the, the hospital the next day to get like an MRI and everything done. And we saw that like all of the, every, all of the connected tissue was just gone. Um, so fortunately no surgery with that one. The doctor that I had was pretty progressive and he was like, you can just do a lot of this stuff with PT. Um, uh, and you can just get it really, really strong with PT. Cause like your, like your ACL was a partial tear, your medial and lateral meniscus are partial tears, your LCL and MCL are gone, but you don't really need those ones. He's like, your ACL and your PCL are fine. So, or like your ACL is mostly fine and your PCL is fine. So you should be able to just like rebuild this stuff through really good physical therapy. That's dope that, uh, that he was, that he, Oh, he was the best. Man. He was, he was fantastic. Um, so we went and did, I went to a, a really good physical therapist who was, uh, based in, in New Jersey and she was fantastic. And, I, at that point, like I'd been lifting, I'd been doing a bunch of stuff beforehand. And I was like, I want to, I think I want to get into physical therapy. I think this would be a fun, a fun job based off of her programming and doing physical therapy with me for my gotcha. knee rehab. Right. So like right. I spoke to her a bunch about it. And then I remember one day she like took me off to the side and I was like, I'm thinking about going back and get like going to PT school and going through this stuff. And she like, like literally grabbed me and shook me. It was like, do not do this. You will hate it. Huh. She's like, I deal with just like, like old Jerry, like old people all day who don't do any of their at home exercises. They come in for like six months, complain about never getting better, do none of this stuff on their own. They go out, they come back with pain. And she's like, I, it's like a mill that I just keep seeing these people on where I'm doing the best that I can to get them out of here. But none of these people are trying on their own to get themselves out of pain. Right. Right. So she's like, I'm giving them all I can. And then I'm getting stressed and frustrated because they're not giving me anything back. And all they do is complain and complain and complain. And she called them like all of her, like her soul sucker clients, where it's like, you just don't want to deal with these people. Right. So she's like, you should go into like coaching and like strength coaching because that will be fun. And she's like, I wish I would have done that instead because like I'd make more money and I'd have more fun doing it. So I went and got my certification from 
the National Association of Sports Medicine. Shout out NASM. We, uh, uh, yep, I know something. That, that was my first cert too. So yeah, got that out. OPT model. <laughs> Shout out NASM, baby. Yep, yep, got that OPT model, making people yep. squat on BOSU balls. You know, stability, stability first. You know, Jesus. endurance second. Wow, um, boy, oh boy. Yeah, but got all that stuff done, and then moved into that first gym job. Yeah. Um, shortly after that. Now you can uh, be a um, a, a, a NASM influencer yeah uh, they finally launched that yeah. social media influencer mm-hmm. co- uh, co- yeah. course i i yeah. signed up for it i'm ready to go i'm ready to That's take my game to the next level now your trolling game is just on another <laughs> level too on twitter is my your your, your uh your new twitter is it's uh, it's fun it's level. it's it's good enough i know that my trolling is really good because i i like when i look at my reshares i get people like unironically resharing the things that i'm posting and they're like this is exactly what i'm talking about and i'm like Oh no, you don't. You just don't you, get it. Like, yeah, you're, you're this. This went right over your head, dog. This is above <laughs> you, man. <laughs> that is so funny. That is so funny. So, like, I guess. Uh, so, so I guess the the physical therapy um, experience that kind of got you on the on the path into coaching. So that was kind of Absolutely. your. Tra- so that was kind of your transition from. Yeah. From. Um, so at that time, like, were you in school? Were you in school for? I had just graduated. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I just graduated. Yeah. So it was is, right is after your, I graduated when all this stuff happened. Is, is your is your degree in exercise phys? <laughs> my, no, uh, my, mine's mine's not. So like my my degree, I'm one of like 14 people in the country that has this degree. My degree is in martial arts studies. Oh, dude, that's so dope. I swear to God, I, mine's uh, mine's uh communications. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about a uh whatever I paid for my? I mean, I'm still I still have student loans, but like whatever the 60 grand of fucking money just like because i'm because like when i was in college like i stopped playing football was yeah. like i was like all right like i'm getting into more of the athletic preparation side of things and then like i was like well like i can start making money just by training older people like adults yeah. like i know i can make some money doing this so like that's what kind of like got me into I, obviously like i fell in love with the training process myself Mm -hmm. and that's obviously what led me into and i mean i knew i was like somewhat charismatic and i could hold a conversation with somebody for an hour you know like i I could i could conversate so you are using that communications degree then Mm, look at you exactly (laughs) justify the cost there we go we're set and yep and yeah so like that but that's it's such a such a funny thing man because I mean, 18 year old, I mean, most 17, 18 year olds have no clue what they want to do like yeah. with their life when they're in That's school. my favorite thing is like when you're like, when you're at graduating high school, it's like, cool. I'm going to make you go take like 50 to a hundred thousand dollars of debt to dictate the rest of your life. And you will be set in this path forever. There's no going back. You have to commit to this. And if you don't, you're not going to make it in anything else, but you're going to also accumulate all of that debt. It's gonna be great. It's, it's so dumb. You'll probably never pay it off either. It's gonna be fantastic. This yeah. is this is how we become successful. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. But um all right. So I guess I guess the other the other question was um I guess like so that got you so that got you into into coaching and then mm-hmm. the, the martial arts got you into training. Where at what point were you like? I mean, because you were uh, you were practicing martial arts until your injury, and then were you practicing martial arts after your injury as well? I dabbled a little bit post, but it's one of those things where, like, 
by that time I was 20, 24, 25, it's like 24, 25 years old. Like I'd already done it for 20 years. Like that's a full career in that field, in that industry right. by that point. So it was like, I, I, I lost the desire and like the will to like try. Gotcha. Right. So it's like, I'd already like, and this is, this is one of the things that I, I can, I can be very happy with that I've, that I've done is like, I've done everything that I would have wanted to do in that. So like, I have complete closure and satisfaction with that. Like I fought kickboxing matches. I fought some mixed martial arts fights. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu matches. Like I competed at like very high levels. I got offered contracts to compete at much higher levels, but it's just not a good or stable paycheck. Right. right? So it's one of those right. ones where like, I would need to have multiple other streams of income and sources of income to make it something that would be useful particularly for the time commitment that it takes to try and succeed at a very high level. And like, I know that I was like, I was good, but I was never going to be the best. Like I was probably like bottom of the top. Like I was like bottom of like the higher of the upper end of the upper end, like very bottom of the upper end. Right. Like I did very well. And like, but they're, they're like, I got beaten a couple times by people who were just like significantly better than me, even though we had the same training age, the same period of like the, the same kind of coaching style that we were going through with everything else, the same amount of training that we were doing. Like I was training eight, 10 hours a day when I was doing martial, when I was training martial arts and doing stuff like this. And like, I would get beaten by people who were doing the exact same thing. And it's not like I was going around, like kind of like fucking around in class. Like I was training really hard, right? These people were just more talented and better. Right. right. So like, I, I knew that it was like, I'm good, but I'm not that I'm not great. Right. Right. So I've done so, everything I wanted to do and I'm done. I'm this chapter is closed. So when did you transition into, into powerlifting? Actually, I, I transitioned into powerlifting and powerlifting training when I was in competition fight, like, fight oh, mode, okay. right. Okay. So when I was a when I was a junior in college, I was 20, going to be 21. I, I got mono on my 21st birthday because I had a great 21st birthday party. It was fun. Uh, <laughs> that's how you know, it was a good time. Um, but I, I was competing at about, I, I was about 215 at the time, 215 pounds. Um, and I dropped down to 163 from mono because I literally couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. And I was sick from September to December. I lost like 60 or 70 pounds. Like I was, it was ridiculous. I looked, I looked, I was emaciated. I was not in a good, in good shape. Um, and I specifically remember what happened in December because I was starting to feel better and I was starting to like feel like myself again and be energetic. And then I went to pick up, my mom asked me to help me move some stuff from like upstairs to downstairs. And I picked up a box that was filled with like very minimal stuff. And I almost passed out because it was like hard. It was heavy. And I was just like, I felt super weak. And I remember, like, I specifically remember the next day I went and signed up for a gym. I was like, I'm never going to let myself feel that week ever again. So that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And like, that's what kind of got me into powerlifting where it's like, I, I love that feeling of being strong. And I've been on the other side of it where you are functionally disabled and can't do anything from being super sick. So like now it's one of those things where it's like, I will never allow myself to not be strong ever again. Yeah, that's dope. Okay. So I guess was, was, was powerlifting or like squat bench deadlift? Like, I mean, did, were there periods of time where you were more focused on, you know, other, other qualities in your fit? I, I, I guess, I guess I should say like post injury, like once you kind of hung up 
the the martial arts stuff like were, were there periods of time where you were like oh i kind of want to be a i kind of want to be jacked i don't want to be a bodybuilder or what or was it always pretty much like squat bench deadlift it's always been lifting type of it's always been with the goal of pushing those numbers forward gotcha so like i'll i'll, I'll transition in and out of doing some like more bodybuilding style stuff if i'm trying to go sure. to weight class or doing things like that uh but it's always within the pursuit within the the goal of getting back to spd work and pushing those numbers up higher and trying to get them as, as high as i can go well when was your first comp when was your first competition uh, I fell into the same trap that literally every single powerlifter falls into where they're like, I'm not going to compete until I'm ready to compete, which is just like every single client that you've ever coached going, I'm not going to try to get fit until I'm, I'm not going to work with you to get fit until I'm already getting fit. So it's like, okay, I fell into that same exact trap too. Uh, so I didn't start competing until 2019. So I competed in 2019 twice. I did one fine and I bombed out of the second meet because I tore my hip flexor uh, in prep going into that one. Um, then I took 2019, the rest of 2019 to try and rehab it. Then 2020 COVID shut everything down. Uh, then I competed twice in 2021 and now I'm going to compete twice. I'm just going to compete twice a year moving forward after that. Okay. Dope. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Um, uh, again, the, talk to a, talk to a dummy me <laughs> about, uh, about, uh, about a powerlifting meet and like how your i mean again like even with you know athletes and even you know certain general fitness clients like mm -hmm. you know we have we have to look at you know whatever you can lay out a perfect fucking macro fucking 12 month you know year-long program but like there's gonna have to be obviously course corrections along the for way sure on even you know, a block by block basis or even just like a you know day by day basis obviously based on numerous factors but like i guess what does that what does that look like and like i guess how you know where wherever your meat is like or meats are like throughout the year like what does that what does that look like like leading into the event and then obviously after the event i know like i feel like i feel like when i started following you maybe you were like just you had just done a meet mm -hmm. and like you were doing like some Cause I remember you talking about like how you hadn't put a bar on your back in a while you were doing hack squats in your garage and mm -hmm. your fucking garage gym's dope as fuck too. Man. Thank you. I'm like, damn, like, <laughs> like we're Katie and my wife and I are like, you know, in the next, you know, three or four years, we'd like to, we'd like to find a house. This is what um, happens when you're a 31 year old single man, you got all this money to just spend on gym equipment. That's great. Dude, I, <laughs> I think about that sometimes when I'm like, damn, <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, having, having, uh, having a little one and, and one on the way isn't, isn't so bad either. So, mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, but yeah, um, I guess like what, what does that just, what does that, what does that look like? So for me, because again, it's like, it's one of those things where I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have pursued other athletics to a high enough level to know that I'm, I'm good, but I'm never going to be the best at all this stuff. So like, I don't have that whole mentality of like, I need to compete four or five, six times a year. Like a lot of people do because they all want to be like the, the best. Right. And they all think they are going to be the best. So I'm fortunate enough to not have to like, have already had my experience where it's like, mm, you ain't shit. Uh, so for me, what I try to do now is I try to compete twice a year and have them be roughly six months apart. And the reason why I want to get them to be about six months apart is I want to be able to take two to three months off. 
of like powerlifting specific training in between or like downregulate the focus on that one or like push that push that priority list that that down on the priority list and like maintain that and then focus on other qualities like just getting more jacked improving like localized work capacity or like just work working on things that you don't normally touch during powerlifting that are very beneficial for powerlifting and when i say work capacity i'm looking at the difference between muscular work capacity and cardiovascular work capacity where it's like i'm not necessarily going to touch cardiovascular work capacity because that's right. not going to be a bucket that's an important one to fill for powerlifting for SBD, whereas, right? whereas like localized muscular or like muscular capacity is going to be so 100%. like if i can't like if i if i sign up for a meet that's only got 20 people in it that's going to be really 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 quick so i need the ability to be able to like like have my my legs recover my upper body recover quickly between attempts so that i can just do it again right so it's one of those things where like I'll take a like a longer period of time off and I'll go through some like metabolic work. I'll go through some some like hypertrophy and pump work. And I'll just look at trying to put on a little bit more muscle mass in that off season and then kind of transition back into a training prep to get myself back and like react like reacclimate to the lifts um and get myself back into like like quote unquote competition shape, which is actually completely deconditioning you in every other aspect and just trying to work on the ability to like like exude uh, like like ex- uh, exert max effort into the bar right right so with me and this is the approach that i usually take with a lot of uh, a lot of my lifters is i want them to kind of be able to have their ability to plan out their meat calendar as far in advance as i possibly can because if they can tell me that they're competing in december awesome I have a huge, I have a plan that we can execute and I know exactly when prep is going to start. I know exactly where we need to be on each single one. I can collect a bunch of data points along the way. We can improve a bunch of stuff like, like, like secondary and tertiary like qualities that are going to improve your numbers. Uh, so I try to take a little bit of a longer term approach to my own preps and the preps for my athletes. But again, it's one of those ones where if they tell me they're going to sign up for a meet and it's eight weeks out, like, cool, we can do that. That's not, that's not a big deal. Um, the, Prepping for a meet is not hard. Like everybody wants it to be like really hard and everybody wants powerlifting to be this like crazy difficult science, but it's like, we're all doing the same shit. Like we're all doing, sure. like we're going for a one or max squat bench deadlift. You can just wave RPEs up and down. You can wave percentages up and down. We have to get you better at doing singles. Like you don't need that special, like super specialized program because everybody has the same issues, right? Yeah. Squats are always hard in the same place. Bench is always hard in the same place. Deadlift is always hard in the same place. You yeah. have two options for your deadlift stance and one option for everything else. So it's like, <laughs> there's not that much difference in, in, right. in coaching them individually, right? Right. We can get into some differences during like accessory work, during rest periods, during things like that, during frequency, like dosing out training volume across the week. How many times per week can that person train? Like you can break it up a little differently and get more individual with that. And that's all just going to be based on like the end of obviously the, the individual and kind of like what their potential limiters maybe are like, again, training, training schedule, life, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Time, see like, like where they are in that meat calendar and all that stuff is all going to be kind of based off of that individual. Gotcha. But at the end of the day, we're all just trying to do the exact same thing, which is put more kilos on the bar. Sure. So it becomes a fairly easy process to be able to work on getting people from where they are to where they want to go. And you can actually kind of almost like, I almost hate to say that it's like, you can standardize it, but you can pretty much standardize a lot of the stuff that you can do with people. Some people, will respond differently to volume some people will respond differently to intensity so you can like obviously look at how that's going how that athlete is responding and be able to adjust that over time to see their see what they're going to be doing and see how we can improve them but 
like the training is is fairly consistent and fairly similar like i usually start with let's start lifters with singles on deadlift like 12 weeks out because we want to be able to work on just getting that skill of having a heavier lift i'll usually start start bench singles about that same period of time squat singles probably about 10 ish or so weeks out because that's where we start just working on that skill of getting them all like already recently i've taken a bit of a different approach and i've started them way 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 further out for a lot of people and it seems to be working pretty well but again if we know that if we look at the the adaptation of just max effort and max strength being more of a neurological adaptation than a muscular adaptation right it makes sense because you just want to be able to get them as skilled as possible which is one of the reasons why i i even employ singles in some of my clients off seasons if their limiter is more of like a neurological efficiency um neurological if they're more neurologically efficiency like limited than anything else right? gotcha Gotcha. Interesting. I don't know if this is kind of answering your question or not. I'm no, no. I mean, rambling a little bit. No, it, no, it really isn't. I mean, I, I think just like you, you kind of said, um, I, the, the, from a standardization for you, like, um, it, it's just, it's so hard because we've talked about like people that are farther out from meats and like their meat is closer, I guess, like, just, just generally, uh, generally, generally speaking, like how, how do you standardize? Like, I mean, just how do you standardize? I don't know. What's I guess we could just say like a, I mean, do most people come to you, Matt, with like where they're like closer to a meet or like when they're further farther out? That's what I figured since that's kind of what you said, your kind of your preferences were. So yeah. like, I guess, what does that look like? Just generally speaking. So like from, whatever i don't know i don't know how 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 many months how many months out do they typically come do they typically come to you so usually if they're coming to me with a meat in mind they're usually about five to six months out of a meat okay right so like the, one of the reasons why they come to me with that and they come to me specifically for that is because i'm a big advocate of not necessarily touching a barbell in the off season if your limiter is not your barbell strength right gotcha. so like if, if i look at somebody who's like trying to go up a weight class or they're trying to just like in, like get some hypertrophy work done because they feel like they're just too small for whatever they're doing or trying to fill out a weight class like i said earlier those are the people that come to me much 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 earlier on in a, in a training cycle so we can focus on like two to three solid months of just like hypertrophy and just like specific muscular strength to work on getting them the ability to work on integrating those stronger muscles into stronger movement patterns into the Right. And like, that's one of the things that I, I, I talk about frequently with my lifters um, is the difference between just like muscular strength and movement strength, gotcha. right? Like I want to be able to have strong quads, but strong quads doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to have a strong squat. Sure. Same with having strong adductors or glutes or having a strong posterior chain may not necessarily mean that you have a strong deadlift. You might just be able to have those isolated movements very strong. Now, how do we integrate that into your competition specific movements so that we can take that muscle that we've built, take that stronger muscle that we've built, and how can we then push it into like a competition lift itself? Um, and that's where I find that like, like singles and like high volume singles, like six, seven, eight singles with some ascending load work in there or some, some, uh, some like timed rest or some specific, like specific percentages or waving singles up and down ends up being a really, really easy way to work on integrating that because people get a ton of exposure and practice to those movements after we've already made their tissues strong as hell in previous blocks. Right. So the approach that I'll usually take with that is when it comes time to looking at the difference between like tissue strength versus movement strength, tissue strength is going to be something that I'm going to be pushing like with like higher intensity and lower volume with tempo constraints. 
Sure. Right. So like, I want that person's peck to be their limiting factor on a dumbbell bench. So we're tempoing that eccentric. We're getting a nice pause. We're not, we're like, we're going for a nice explosive concentric, but we're tempoing at the top as well. Right. So I want to be able to give them the ability to work on pushing that tissue as close to failure as they can through a heavier load with a lower amount of volume and a higher amount of intensity. And then when it comes time to doing the, the, the more specific work, we drop the tempo, right? Because now it's like, I don't like your, your tissue is strong. I know it's ready to go. Now we need to work on integrating. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now we need to work on integrating that into your out, into your training output. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. How far up and down, like, do you wave somebody? Like if you were doing those waves on like a, whatever. So, so one of the things that I'll do, and I'm I'm doing this with one of my lifters right now, which seems to actually be going really well, um, is he works more than anybody that I know, (laughs) like literally more than any, like he'll, like he, I, when I say like anybody that he's at home for like four hours a day and that's only to sleep, like other than that, oh, he shit. like he he works at a, at a at like an actual job. Then he owns a gym on the side and like works at the gym full time. Has a full book of like in person clients. Has a full book of remote clients. And like I said, has an actual full time job on top of all that. So like he works very hard. Um, so I waive his squat and deadlift intensities on different weeks. So he'll get to work up to a heavy single on his squat in one week. And then on his deadlift, when he has a heavy squat week, I'll give him three load capped singles, right? So it's like he gets three lighter deadlift singles with like a long hold or uh, at the top. So he can work on building some grip strength, but we can have that down regulated a little bit so we can capitalize on that squat. And then we'll flip flop that the next week and I'll have his squat um, be load capped and I'll have two to three singles with that. And then we'll just give him like, give him the ability to push to a heavy single on his deadlift. Um, and then because of his squat being so strong, it beats the hell out of his elbows. So I also have to figure out how to place bench in there in a way that he's going to survive through benching after he's done super heavy squatting and super heavy pulling. Gotcha. Yeah. So and it that's... ends up being like on a heavier squat week, he benches first, has his squat, then goes and does his like lighter deadlift. Lighter. And the following week when he's going to deadlift, he will like have a lighter bench, lighter squat, heavier bench, heavier deadlift. So we kind of like end up flip-flopping it week to week because the, the lighter squat movements never hurt his elbows that much. Gotcha. And he actually feels better after that, like in, when we go to bench. So we just kind of have to like flip-flop his intensities and move stuff around all the time to give him the ability to survive. Gotcha. Gotcha. But I mean, that's okay. Cool. All right. Um, it's a pain, but it worked. It's been working so far for him. No, but that, yeah, the, again, it's just, that's more of that, you know, individual individualization of it. Like, you know, exactly somebody who's not as maybe not as stressed and doesn't have as much life stuff going on, you know, Oh, there's stuff is much easier. You could just kind of, so I guess that might for somebody that maybe does have less stress and like, is, you know, just, you know, whatever chilling. Um, are you going like, is it, does it look like three week blocks or like four week blocks or does it depend again? I, this is probably going to depend too. That also totally depends. Um, so this is, well, uh, but like I have it, I have an answer for that and how I figure out where to get to with that. Right. So one of the things that I start with, with every single person, this is actually something I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of putting together now for my athletes and for new athletes that come on. Um, so I'm putting together a, an assessment week of training. Right. So the number one, what that'll do is whenever somebody comes to me for new, for coaching, they will get a week of coaching. 
right? So they'll get a full week of training before anything happens where all I'm doing is collecting data on them. So I'm collecting their data on like a, uh, like, like their, their one at max strength, uh, how they do over a set of five and how technique breaks down. And then a couple sets of 10 with time rest in between. And then a little other stuff that I can do to just check max output. Um, I can check their strength, right? So I can check their neurological efficiency in that out in that heavier single. I can check their, their strength potential and how, and how they break down over the course of that heavier set of five. Set of five yeah. Then I can check their work capacity in those multiple sets of 10 afterwards. So I can see how their RPE is increasing or decreasing and their output is going down over time, right? So I can check and see where that person is going to uh, break down on each one of those. And then I can start tailoring the next block to that specific person. I'll take that information from them and I will push that into what I would call an exploratory block in the beginning, because this is one of those things too, where it's like, I have a great amount of data on your SPD movements from that assessment week. But now when I'm coming to actually coaching you, I don't know how you're going to respond to frequency. I don't know how you're going to respond to intensity. I don't know how you're going to respond to any of this stuff. So now what I need to do is I also need to figure out how you respond to these things. Because right. unless I have an athlete that's able to provide me with a ton of back history and training data, I don't know. I never right. met this person before. I got some interesting data off their first stuff, but now I also need to be able to work on tailoring their individual training frequency, training the amount of exposures per week, tailoring their volume. Are they going to respond well to intensity? Are they going to respond well to volume? I don't know any of that stuff. So I put them through a very standardized Again, standardized is kind of a loose, it's, 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 it's standardized in a lot of stuff, but then I'll tailor certain things based off of that assessment week. Your assessment, right. Exactly. And so then I'll, I'll give them that exploratory block, which is just a full like pre-populated like pre block that they'll go into for their first full month of coaching, where I just want to see how long it takes them to get to their max output. Got right. It. So I want to see, and I want to track their individual one rep max or their estimated one rep max over that block and see when it peaks and when it starts to drop. Gotcha. Right. When that E1, when that estimated one rep max on theirs peaks, I know that that's, and like when I see it start to kind of drop and taper off for more than one week, right. It has to be more than one time for it to be able to start dropping for me to know that, okay, cool. We've probably overreached and functionally overreached a little bit. Now I know where to place a deload session for that particular movement. Gotcha. Right. So I can look at that and look at their trend over time and be like, great. Okay, cool. This person can probably handle two to three, like two squat sessions per week for four weeks before we need to deload. They can handle three bench sessions a week for five to six. And they can handle one deadlift session a week or two deadlift sessions a week for two to three before those things start to deload and start to drop down. So now I can write all that data out on a, like on a separate sheet and then put that into a program and be like, cool, now I know exactly how many exposures to squat I can give them per week, exactly how many bench exposures I can give them per week, exactly how many deadlift exposures I can give them per week, figure out exactly where to place each one of them and give them the ability to progress over time. Just gives you that, gives you those volume and intensity landmarks that you need to. Exactly. Yeah. The first yeah. five weeks of coaching with me is going to be a full on assessment. Like you'll get better. You'll get stronger, like no sure. doubt, because you're going to be doing stuff and you're going to be training. But I also need to be able, like, be able to figure out who, who's who I'm talking to and who's sitting in front of me. Right. Yeah. Damn. All right. That, that makes a shitload of sense. That's really fucking straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's like it's like I said, like it depends, but I have an answer for the, it depends, and I have a like a rationale and justification for it. Right, and I mean, I, I, you're that the method that go that assessment is that's really fucking good. Like the neurological efficiency, the you know the just strength, you know when you're 
like testing instead of and then doing set that's that's cool yeah all right sweet it's I, just the only thing that i could I, I i've i've been trying to work on it and trying to think of what i can do with it for a long period of time and it's the only thing that i can think of to make it even remotely tailored or like possible for powerlifting because a lot of times what happens is like i've had i've had a lot of coaching experiences before where they don't even ask for anything they like send me a video of you doing like a set of three and i'm like okay cool here's a set of three and they're like cool here's everything like but that's all you, all you saw me was me do three reps like how do you know how do i know any of this stuff so i, I like they don't there's not a lot of that, in, that that focus on the individualization of like what that person's specific outputs are going to be what their limiting factors are going to be how we can work on improving it where we can place frequency in sessions like and it comes with the art of coaching, right? Where like, as at a certain point, you get very experienced with coaching, you can kind of guess a lot of these things, 100%. but also at the same point, you have to look at the individual response of each one. Right. Right. So I, I've found that with me, if I like communicate and like set that as the expectation from the very beginning, it creates a much more collaborative approach with my athletes. And it creates a much more, like it helps them to buy in a little buy bit more in. because they That's realize it. that I'm, I'm collecting a shit ton of data on them and that it's going to be truly customized as soon as it's done. That's exactly what I was about to say was just, you know, that buy-in factor. And I mean, you said you've had experience working with other, with other coaches and stuff like that, that have maybe not. Oh yeah. And done. for, and in full transparency, I did that up until like sure. two, three, three, four months ago. Sure. Like I, yeah. like, this has been something that I've been trying to collect and trying to refine on with my process for a long period of time. And luckily right. the athletes that I have now, like I have so much data on them from like the year, two, three years of coaching that we've gone through with them that I know exactly how they're going to do that stuff. So we don't have to go through that new stuff. Right. But there was also with a lot of these people, a lot of frustration on both of our parts because we weren't quite sure how each person was going to respond to each one. So there's a lot more guesswork going into it. And there was a lot more, oh, cool. This one didn't work that well. Let's taper that one back. Let's push this one a little further. Let's swap this out. Let's swap these days. Let's swap this frequency. Whereas now I can just be like, oh, cool. Like you just have to follow this exactly and tell me how you're responding to it and tell me how you feel. And if you're very transparent and honest with me about it, I, ha I now have so much information that I can just do whatever the fuck we need to do for the next period of time. Yeah, that's dope. Um, all right. That, 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 I feel like that's, that, that covered kind of like my powerlifting, uh, conversation that I wanted to awesome. do. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's cool. Um, I guess with the, with the last 15 minutes or so, like, I, I guess just getting into getting into like, cause do you work with like exclusive, are you doing just powerlifters now? Or do you have general fitness clients too, Matt? I have general fitness clients. Okay. As well. So like, yeah. so, so let's let, I guess, you know, let's dive into dive into like general fitness a little bit. Um, you know, obviously like that's probably where you got your start. That's where I got my start. hundred percent general fitness clientele. If you can't um, coach gen pop people, you can't, you shouldn't coach anybody. Like you have yeah. to be able to get some good stuff work, some good reps in with gen pop. I think that's, uh, I think it's really important. And I mean, I think that, I think it can be, I, you know, again, we work with like some field and court sport athletes. And I mean, I've worked with, you know, a few guys that are like, you know, higher level, you know, some division one football players and, you know, some, some basketball kids and stuff like that. And like, you know, those guys, a lot of times, like you show them what to do and they fucking just do it perfectly right. and you're, they're like you know so like these, and you've also got a captive audience who's engaged and excited to do stuff whereas with gen pop you're pulling teeth getting them in the door yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. and i mean like 
we, we work with, we work, work with some middle school kids and even, even, you know, we, we've got some, some high school kids and obviously some of them are more advanced. Some of them have been with us, have been with myself or with clay down at pro force, like for, you know, since they were in middle school, you know, and now yeah. they're maybe juniors or seniors. So like their training age is higher and they're, you know, they've, they don't, they know, they know their shit and they're, and, and they're, and they're dedicated, but like, again with like gen general fitness and like even some of the younger kids or like some of the more inexperienced high school kids like that maybe you know maybe they are basketball players who fucking hate the way <laughs> hate the weight room yeah or right now we have a lot of volleyball girls that are down at the facility that like <laughs> that hate the weight room yeah <laughs> and uh you know it's just it, trying to build trying to build that buy-in can be can be a challenge i guess like what what are your what are your big things for like building buy-in with 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 general fitness general fitness clients so with gen fit, with general fitness clients, I think the the most most almost one of the most overlooked things that you can do with them, and this is actually something that I got from uh, a presentation from Joe DeFranco, right? So we we went to a, a conference with Joe DeFranco in Miami in December, and like one of the things that Joe was talking about with all of his people was he was just listening to what the athletes were talking about when they were talking amongst themselves, right? So he was working with a group of like high school girls at the time. I forgot what, I forgot what sport there. I think it was a field hockey team or something like that. So Joe, forgive me if I, if I got that wrong. Um, but one of the things that they were all talking about when he overheard them, cause he just happened to like walk by and was just listening to what they were saying was that a bunch of them were just like nervous about how they were going to look in their prom dress. So he just started relating literally everything that they were doing to what it was going to do for them to how, like how they would look in their prom dress afterwards. Right. And I think that's one of the biggest things that like a lot. And like what he said in that presentation was that he got people who went from not wanting to train at all and hating all of it to being like super highly engaged, putting in a ton of effort and working really, really, really hard. Because again, they, it's one of those things where they were forced to go in and train. So they're like, I don't want to do this because this is not my choice. Right. And then they start seeing and hearing and feeling the benefits and seeing how it relates directly to what they, what they actually find important, which they didn't tell him, but he overheard. And now they're very, very, very engaged. So now with that, he's, he was talking about how he's able to now start having better conversations with people about like, what do you, what do you want? And like, whenever they were interviewed after a game and where they would talk about like his, his, his program and everything like that, they wouldn't even talk about the stuff that they were doing. They would talk about how like happy they are with how they look and how happy they are with like, how they're going to look in their, in their, in their uniforms or their prom dress or whatever it was that they were talking about. Right. So like, they wouldn't even talk about the stuff that he was doing or like how they were performing in their game. They would talk about the stuff that they cared about. Right. And it's the same thing with like a, like with basketball players. Like if, if we're looking at those, like they're wearing cutoff shirts all the time. Like how many times do you just give them like, like arm work so that they can just feel like they look jacked in their arm farm. Exactly. Arm like how many times you give them an arm farm? So they just feel like they look jacked when they're on the court. Exactly. Right. So it's like with a lot of the general population or a general fitness people, what you gotta, we gotta realize is that like a lot of them don't want to be there. Like if it's yep. coming to general population in general, like just looking at like normal people, they don't like training. They don't like training. We are weird. We love training. Sure. We go to, we willingly do this stuff. And then we talk about how we're just so much more disciplined than everybody else. It's like, no, jackass, like you are, you are motivated because you like doing this stuff. This has yeah. nothing to do with you being disciplined. You just really, really like training. So I'm, neur I'm neurotic as fuck. And I uh, am also vain. Yeah. And when I go on vacation, 
if I, uh, you know, have a burger and fries or whatever the fuck, like I want to make sure that like, uh, you know, I don't get fat. So I have to go to the gym the next yeah. day and get a pump. Like, Dude. I, I get, like I'm vain. Like I'm, and, and like, I, I tell people that all the time. Like I'm not, I'm not normal. Like I'm a you neurotic have, person. Do you have any idea how many times? So like Kyle and I were just presented in London over the, over the weekend. Do you have any idea how many times we just did like an arm pump before we went on stage? So we looked jacked in front of everybody. Like it's literally what we do. Like we went to the hotel. We did like all the hotel workouts we did. We just did like straight hypertrophy pump work. So we could all look huge when we went to the conference. And then we're like, okay, cool. We speak at three 30. So if we start like just doing like curls and triceps at like two 30, we should be able to have like a really nice pump, look really huge up on stage and just be like, and just be able to like be good. Right. And so I have the funniest fucking story about that. When I, <laughs> so I play college, so I play college football, a small division three school here in yeah. Northern Kentucky called uh, Thomas Moore. And, uh, mm-hmm. So before our home games and I wasn't a starter, like I was a, I was a backup. I was a backup right tackle at 235 fucking pounds. So whatever, be that as it may. So I'm in the weight room, like before the games and there would be several of us in there, like just getting an arm pump just get before we ran out on the field. (laughs) Dude, absolutely. hundred percent. hundred percent. I get a pump. Like if I have a new client coming, cause I still do some in-person coaching. If I have a new client coming, I get a pump before they come into the house. I want to look huge. I want them to be like, damn, this is jacked. I want to work with this guy. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Every time. <laughs> Every time. So but like, that's so funny. But that works with general population as well, right? Because sure. we got to look at what they want and what they care about. Right. We got to find out and really kind of like some people might not know. So like you might not be able to even get to the answers with some of these people because some people might just be coming in because they feel like they need to, right? And that right. answer is good enough. That's totally yeah, fine. Yeah, 100%. But over time, as you start coaching and as you're coaching these people more, they're going to open up to you about different topics and different things that they want to do. And I've also found that with my general population clients, the best way that I can get buy-in with them is to expose them to literally everything that I possibly can. So we'll do a month of powerlifting. We'll do a month of athletic development. We'll do a month of hypertrophy. We'll do a month of this, of like something different. We'll do a month of mobility training. And then I'm going to ask them, which one of these did you like the best? I really like that one. Oh, cool. So six. So that's just what we're going to do now. Yep. Yep. Right. It's it's one of those things where like too many coaches try to like impart their own biases and beliefs on their general population clients. And it's like, you're just going to do what I tell you to do. It's like, well, they're paying your bills. Exactly. Exactly. They're the ones paying like, you. Like, well, and like I've I've asked clients recently, like you know, hey, like, what did you, you know, whether it again, like you said, we'll kind of do a, you know, more of a a strength emphasis type of block, you know, and then we'll do, you know, maybe a, a hypertrophy and emphasis type of block, and maybe like a a, a power, like even I, I one client where we did like some French contrast, and she yeah. fucking loved, it and she loved it. She was a soccer player in high school, so like it was fun for her, but like. I, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly asking. And like, I've, I've had a couple of clients like where I've said like, you know, Hey, like, you know, what are you liking best? You know, what is it? Well, like whatever, like, you know, you're the coach and like, I'm, you're, it just, you're the ball. You're the ball. I had somebody tell me that you're the boss. And I'm like, yeah. please don't like you're, pay, you're paying me almost $400 a month to be here. Like, this is not, I'm not your boss. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I want you to, I want you to enjoy what you're doing. I want right. you to enjoy what you're doing. That's more important because consistency with this stuff for the rest of your life can be like the difference between like lifestyle diseases and not having lifestyle diseases straight exactly. up. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And like, obviously 
if people want to get jacked, like I want you to get jacked, like, trust me, like I'm, sure. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you get there. And guess what? Like if you're consistent and you train pretty freaking hard and you like at least do eat some protein with your meals and eat some fruits and veggies and get decent sleep most of the time and just don't binge out on alcohol every night. Like you're probably going to look pretty fucking good. Yeah. You're going to get, you're going to get jacked. You're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> but like those, those clients, I'm glad you actually brought that one up because those that, like those clients are the reasons why I started just like, I'm like, all right, fucking, we're just going to get like, I'm going to throw this macro out and we're just going to do like a basically new program every single month. And like my manager would hate it. And she'd look at it and be like, well, there's no consistency between this block and the last block. I'm like, well, they don't have a specific goal. So that doesn't fucking matter. Like <laughs> they just are coming to the gym three times a week. So like, who cares if I put them through a powerlifting block in the last block and now I'm putting through like a sprinting and athletic development and conditioning block this block. And then I'm putting the hypertrophy block next month. They don't know what they want. So I can't put together something super specific for them. Exactly. So and I like, want to give them as much exposure to different things as possible. So they go, you know, that one was so much fucking fun. I felt great when I was coming to the gym. Just like you said with your girl who did French contrast. Like if you had gone through like any other like specific progression model, y'all never would have gotten a French contrast. No. And then she would never would have. And like that month of French contrast and like that athletic stuff and that high power stuff and that high output stuff with speed work and all that sort of stuff. Yeah probably she probably tried harder in that month of training than any other month of training ever oh dude she loved it yeah and she now you it. and now you know how to train her boom exactly done. exactly <laughs> yeah exactly and i mean most and and most folks even her you know she likes i'm just using her as an example now like she likes variety so like she likes she likes that kind of like block by block approach where we're kind of changing emphasis just slightly you know yeah. like obviously keeping you know, some hypertrophy stuff in there, some, but, but like just kind of changing the, changing the, the, I, I, and I, so, I mean, I, I think that was, I think you kind of went into like the kind of your programming methodologies, like without me even asking. So that was, that was dope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Matt, I want to respect your time. I know we're coming with, we're coming on one, one thirty now. Um, so I know I told you that I, we didn't have any scripted questions. I do. I oh, I do I'm the same doing, thing, man. So I, 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 doing, I guess I'm kind of doing the same shit. You guys, I do have, I do have one. It's like, and it's pretty simple. Like your, what is your favorite thing about being a coach and being in the fitness and strength and conditioning, and, you know, whatever you want to call it, but your favorite thing about this space. And then your least favorite thing about this space. And again, I, obviously this probably morphs over time with like, the dumb shit that we see on social media and <laughs> the, 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 you know, the, the arguments about uh, what's better, a, 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 a front squat or a back squat or heels elevated or not heels elevated. Like, yeah. What should you do? yeah. So, yeah. So I think my favorite thing about the fitness industry in the field is the amount of people that are starting to realize that all the shit is made up and none of it really matters. Yes. Seriously. Like, I think that's <laughs> it's, my favorite. It's so true. I think that's my favorite part is because like, there's two, you can look at that in like a very nihilistic view, nihilistic way, or you can look at it in a very optimistic way, right? Where if you're looking at that in a nihilistic way, we're going to look at that and be like, well, what, what, what are we even doing this for? Why does this even matter? If none of this matters, what's the point? What's my job for? Right. Right. And the optimistic way that we can look at it is like, none of this really matters. So we can just now finally have fun with it. And that's where I'm finding like the, the most satisfaction in this field right now is like, cause that's how I look at it. It's like, I know none of this stuff really matters and all this stuff exists because like, we just don't go outside and like work outside or do like physical things anymore. Exactly. So 
the fact that we are like, there's a, like a lot of people are starting to get to that realization is making this so much more fun. Cause now when I go to a conference or when I go talk to people in fitness and like talk to people about stuff, we don't talk about fitness at all. We talk about like our outside interests. We talk about other stuff. We talk about reading. We talk about watching TV. We talk about going out and like having fun with our friends. Like exactly. We, we have like all of these more conversations about all of this other stuff that we like, we never would have spoken about if we were all on the other side where we're trying to be, like, take it super seriously again. Uh, yep. Right. And, and like, uh... it makes, it makes it so much more fun because you get to, one of the things that I find about our field especially when the people start like when people have stopped taking it so seriously is that we've all just become much more well-rounded as people 100 so now we're all able to have a lot deeper conversations about just different things we're able to talk about anything with anybody but we're also all able to have fun and make jokes about ourselves and make jokes about other things and just like have a really good time yeah yeah well, so i, I think mean that's I think, my favorite thing for i think sure. that's what i think that's what life is all about being for sure make, being able to make fun of yourself being able to you know call yourself again like i'm a neurotic like person like yeah. i i'm 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 a i'm not a like and again i try to tell clients this all the time like i'm a completely different i'm not i'm not in your shoes like a i'm like my job is in a gym and fucking sweatshorts and yeah. tennis shoes like b like you know i i i i i genuinely love training like i love yeah. coming in here and like making myself making myself suffer you know a little bit and um again i like to get arm pumps before i run out on the football field okay yeah, man you know 18 it's the best. years old yeah but yeah no like uh, and i i'm i'm a big i'm a big comedy person and yeah. i mean you're you're in texas so i mean that's the i i watch kill tony every month so like and I think that that's made me a better communicator and storyteller and, you know, Absolutely. Getting, getting, getting people by whatever, blah, 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 blah. But like, that's that, that kind of like the, how serious, you know, the, the fitness certain realms of, you know, this system is the best and this system. And the, the reality is, is I'm a dumb ape too. Like I yeah. fell for like the falling into like all of us, have. this system is the best. And this yep. is, and like, the reality is, is like, and especially when general fitness clients are paying your bills, like why not pull the stuff that you feel like is valuable from all of them? Mm -hmm. And like, why not just use a little bit of all of it that Absolutely. you find is valuable with yeah. your people and Absolutely. your, and your own systems. So that's, yeah. And like, that's, that's the thing that I've noticed too, is like you talked about being a big comedy fan and like, those are conversations that like I just don't have with my general population clients. Like all my general, I don't know if you, if this is the same for you, but like all of my general population clients, can talk about work and they that's, can't talk about anything outside of their job that's, that's a lot of my pretty, it's a lot pretty, of my friends are pretty, the same way who are outside accurate. of the field yeah they can talk about their job and i'm like cool like what else do you do and they're like well this is what i do for work i'm like cool what else what else do you do like where else like, do you go and like branch and out yeah <laughs> like, read anything else listen to anything else <laughs> yeah and it's it's one of those things where like i've been coaching since 2013 i've been like doing in-person coaching since like 2013 it's like, again, like it'll be um, approaching 10 years next year. I've just noticed that like a lot of us in the fitness field comparatively in my anecdotal experience are becoming much more well-rounded people than a lot of the other people that I've worked with or a lot of the other people that I know or that I'm friends with. It's like, 
we have a lot more hobbies. We have a lot more interests. We're able to talk about a lot more stuff. We're able to mesh with a many more different personalities. And I think that's probably my favorite thing is just like the social skills that it kind of makes you develop, especially when you start realizing that none of this stuff really matters. That's actually really, that, that perspective is yeah. that, that that's, that's been your answer has been by far my favorite answer. And that's, Thank a, you. that's a, it's, well, it's just, a, it's a unique perspective. And I think like now that I, now that I look at it that way, that, you know, that's definitely one of my favorite things as well, because like, you know, the real, the reality is, is like being in this space, you know, it, it, it can, it can, if, if you do get caught up in a lot of that stuff, it can lead to a lot of people getting burnt out and yeah. like, you know, and, and, and again, I've been in that position, but like, again, like reading some books, listening to other things, branching out. And again, like surrounding yourself too, with like the, the right people that aren't constantly like, for sure, either talking either either like talking about that stuff or just like constantly like bashing other fit pros for you know again like th there's people are doing some dumb shit like yeah. spe specifically like on the internet but like you know i'm i just you know again stay in my lane like yeah. and i i want to be i want to be cool with everybody <laughs> dude that's that's literally why all i did I, i've done recently start like a troll twitter Exactly. like this is just this is just i'm just gonna make it fun for me i'm gonna make fun of the dumb shit that i see i'm gonna make fun of the stuff the dumb shit that i used to say and that do. i used to say saying yeah exactly exactly yeah. no i love it so yeah. like what's your what's your least favorite what's your least favorite thing my i think my least favorite thing is the this is again this is just gonna be my perception of the industry and my perception of what's going on but the coaches that are insecure about being a coach. So they try to wear so many different hats in terms of what their job does and their, their job title and what they can do. And life coach, life coach, rehab specialist, like human performance expert, all of these educator things, all of these different, like different roles. That's like, yeah. you're not, you're not qualified for any of these. And I think, I think a lot of that, it comes from two things, right? Number one, all of us, we want to learn and we want to be the best that we can for ourselves. But I think underneath all of that, there's a deep level of insecurity for the fact that we all wear sweatpants to work every day. 100%. We're, and, not, in a, we're, not, in a suit, we're not in a suit and tie. And I mean, there, yeah. that's still, it's still something that- I, I, I deal with know, it all the time. Yeah, like there's people, there's people even here, like where I'm from, man, that like, oh, that's still what you're doing? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like literally- I support my family. Yeah. Doing this guy. Yeah. Like, you know what I, I mean? I make like, more money than you, mine. dude. Yeah. <laughs> and I try not to ever say some shit like that, but like, but the, the reality is, is like most of my friends that like graduate, you know, are, you know, having to put on a, you know, yeah. shirt and pants and making 45 K a year. And yeah. I'm like, and you know, I'm, I'm loving what the fuck I do. Like literally yeah, every single, every single fucking day, like is, it's a blast. I'm not yeah. saying that there's not stress with like my job and like, there's I don't, absolutely I don't stress. over, I don't overthink things and you know, whatever, but like, damn, like I got it good. My dad, yeah. my, my dad, my dad poured concrete for a living. Yeah. Right? Like, and it's still fucking traveling to Columbus and Pittsburgh and all over the country. Dude, my dad's a handyman at 70 years old. He has, he's not going to be, he's not going to retire. He's been working in construction and or like owning a martial arts school for his entire life. It's like, yeah, man, I get it. I get it, so, man. And like, I think, I think the, the, it's interesting because it's been very recent that becoming a, like a strength coach or becoming a personal trainer is like becoming an ex, a socially acceptable job. 
Sure. Whereas before it was like, oh, that guy's a personal trainer. He's never going to make it. He's going to like live in an apartment for the rest of his life and not going to succeed. Right. Right. Where it's like now it's becoming like a, like a position that you can like have some like sustainability and you can create a career out of, you can do really well with. So right. I think there's a lot of still that deep down, there's that, that insecurity of the fact that like I lift weights on the internet for a living. Yep. Yep. And 100%. that's, that's my least favorite thing because I think that, mentality is what forces people to kind of break out of their specific lane and try to get into all of these weird things that they probably shouldn't be touching because number one you got the best job in the world being a strength coach yep you just literally go sit down and make people lift weights and make fun of them yeah like i make fun of all my gym pop clients in person like they'll they'll bench like a they'll they'll like like hit a set of 10 and like fail on rep eight and i'll be like that's that's all you got like Come on, yeah, man. Like, come like, on. Get your dude. shit together. Like, come on. What are you doing? It's 115 pounds and you're a 245 pound man. Like, what are you doing? This is pathetic. <laughs> like, I will literally just make fun of them. Like, exactly. But, but like, we have a great job. Like, nobody else is able to do that in their work. We have a 100%. very unique position. Yep. And I think that, like, a lot of people need to work on getting over that. Like, they might not even know that, they, that it's there, but like, I definitely dealt with that up until I started working with, with Kyle remotely. Right. I was super insecure about the fact that I was a personal trainer for a living. And that was my oh, job. Yeah, right? man. hundred percent. Right. I, and I, I, I definitely, I, I mean, I definitely dealt with it. And I mean, like specific, like with some of the people I've been connected with, you know, in the industry and stuff like that are doing like the, you know, I see them now and it's like getting like their business coaching advertisements. Yeah. And I'm like, and like high dollar, like a yeah. you know, thousand 2500 a month people uh, and like i know there's people out there that are buying into that shit and it's like yeah dude like if you just would have if you just would have slid my dms i would have gave you like some free advice on like online coaching and you know some systems and whatever just some super basic shit like absolutely uh compound app yeah there we go (laughs) but i but i do think that that's the 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 thing that i hate the most is just like that that subtle like deep seated level of insecurity that people aren't even aware that people might not even be aware that they have. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, it's that, that's, that's, I mean, I got blasted with, I was scrolling a little bit on Instagram this morning and it's just blasted with like six coaches, like business coaching and this mm-hmm. and that, and like people with their shirt off standing next to a car. And I'm like, damn, I thought this was, I thought this was over. Like yeah. what the fuck is going on here? Like, yeah. So yeah, that, that definitely, that's that's one of the top things maybe the top thing i fucking hate too honestly yeah. matt but yeah thank you matt matt really I, matt i really appreciate your time man thanks so much oh for man thanks on. for inviting um, me this is great yeah absolutely plug uh plug your plug your socials plug where tell everybody where, where where they can find you so you guys can find me primarily on instagram um my instagram handle is at matt domney um i have adopted a new persona on twitter of coach dr matt domney phd <laughs> Um, where I don't actually have a PhD, but I am smarter than one. So that's, that's what my handle is going to be all about. And that's all the stuff that I'm going to be posting. Um, so on Instagram, like you guys will find, like, I'm going to be starting to like, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of tweets stuff still for this week and next week, but I'm going to be trying to mix in some like actual like training stuff and some actual like educational stuff with some like trolling tweets and things like that. Um, because I really want to kind of break people out of that mentality that I was just talking about that. I hate so much and I want people right. to realize that like none of this stuff even fucking matters, but you can have a great time with it and have a great quality of life. Um, so my Instagram is at Matt Domney. Our, uh, all of our other stuff is on our website, which is just compoundperformance.com. We just released and launched the compound training app, which is uh, 
www.getcompound.app um, if you guys are interested in checking that out. And yeah, other than that, I just post memes and funny shit. Like I just, I'm just a person on the internet. So I lift weights for a living. I don't really have a, much else to say. Honestly, that's what we love. We wanna, we wanna bring some, uh, bring some, bring some laughs to to, to people's day at the end of the day. <laughs> that's the goal, yeah, man. It's important. All right, Matt. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, brother. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you'd please leave the podcast a rating and review, I'd really appreciate it. I'd also like to share that my most recent project, the Kaizen Protocol Training Programs, are available for purchase. The link to purchase each program is in the description, and you can find the link on my Instagram page as well, which is also linked in the description. There are three templates based on goals. The Jacked Athletic Template for those of you trying to get bigger, stronger, and more athletic. The General Strength and Hypertrophy Template for those of you who want to get bigger, stronger, and look and feel your best. There's also a spinoff of this template that features more direct glute training. Each program is $57 a piece, or you can get the bundle of all three at a discounted rate of $150. For one-on-one remote coaching, or if you're in the Cincinnati area and you want to work with me, please hit the link in the description and fill out the short questionnaire, and I'll be in touch ASAP. Lastly, if you'd like to support the podcast, I've put a link for my Venmo account in the description as well. I appreciate your support and look forward to recording more episodes in the future. 